hard to believe that six years ago, I broke out the orange. Does anyone remember the orange from six years ago? Yep, a few people, a lot of you weren't even here six years ago. So six years ago, the orange was the first series I preached as I came in in the interim um, after uh, the changes that had happened here at River of Life. And the orange was to give you the visualization of when you come to an orange, you know what to expect. If I was to peel this open and there was banana inside of it, you'd freak out. You'd sit there and say, something is not right. But the thing that the orange represented was God's love. See, we talk a lot about love in the verb, like I love someone, and so therefore it's a verb, it's an action. But the love of God is a noun, which means, first of all, it has definition. Second of all, it is something that we can receive. And third of all, it's something that we can go discover. And so when we look at the orange, it was to remind ourselves of God's love and its physical attributes. It's, it's fact that it had definition, that it was something we could go and discover and then that we could take in and enjoy like an orange. I could peel this and eat the fruit and taste the sweetness of it, just as God's love can be received and felt, feel the sweetness of it. And so that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be in John chapter 14. We're finishing it up. We're going to be in verses, or we're not quite finishing up. We've got one more section next week, but we're going to be finishing it up in the next two weeks, talking about love. And today we're going to be talking about the love of God and how we receive it. And then next week, we're going to be talking about what that brings into our life once we receive the love of God. So if you could, please stand with me as we read from chapter 14 of the Gospel of John, starting in verse 18. I'm going to go over here and set down my orange. Let us read. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. And I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today seeking you, your wisdom, your knowledge, your love. Lord, we can only find that through our love of you. You reveal yourself. In fact, you come and you dwell with us in that. And so, God, we give thanks that we can know your love and love you to be children of God. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, that we may be changed and transformed by your truth. Amen.
Go ahead and have a seat. So in the opening section of this scripture, what we have is Jesus' promise, right? He's been talking for the last several moments to his disciples about the fact that he's going to be leaving, that he's got to go and he's got to do what God has called him to do. His father has placed a mission upon him and he needs to go complete it. And so they've been questioning him what this means and how they're going to follow and whether they'll be able to see him. And he tells them here in the beginning in, chapter, in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as an orphan. So in other words, I will not leave you abandoned. I think a lot of us, even if we have parents, can sometimes feel like we're abandoned, right, inside our lives, that we're by ourselves, that we don't have a, a source uh, of support coming in. I think a lot of people have that going on in their lives right now. And I want to tell you that while you may feel alone, you don't have to. The very thing that we're talking about right now, the love of God can help heal that concept of loneliness in your life. And that's what Jesus tells us. He says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan because I'm coming to you. So while I go away, it's not forever. It's not like you're not going to see me ever again. And he says, in a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And because I live, you will live too. And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. So this concept of, of togetherness, this community that only Christ can bring about amongst us and through him. See, we have to first understand that we need to love God in order to find God and to experience his love. I think that's something that we miss on the backside of it. God does not just give away his love freely and concisely. He, he looks for those who love him. Now, he gives love across the world by giving us Jesus Christ. I don't want to send a message that makes it sound like God doesn't love the world, for he does. John 3.16 clearly states that inside Scripture. So we can't argue the fact that he loves the world. But if we want to experience his love, if we want to know his love, Jesus is telling us here that we have to love him. And that's where it starts in 21. For the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So in other words, when we show our love through keeping the commands of Jesus Christ to believe in Christ and do as he calls us to do, we show that we love him. And this gives us the beautiful opportunity that it opens up the door, not simply for his love to show in, but for us to know his love in our lives. The one who has commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And, he continues on, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I want to stop and think about that for a second. How many of us in our lives have sat there and said, I don't feel God's love in my life. I don't feel God's presence in my life. What Jesus is telling us right now is that love is unconditional from God down, but it has to go the other direction too. We have to truly submit ourselves and love God unconditionally in order to feel his love in our lives. Otherwise, he's not dwelling with us, which is the next part of what we're coming into. He continues on, he says, and the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. So when we truly love God, when we step out and we show our love for God and we submit ourselves and we come underneath his beautiful mercy and grace and we are in his presence, loving him completely, that is when he truly reveals himself. Now, if you've ever had that moment where you've just come before God and whatever it is, God, whatever you have for me, I'm willing, here I am, send me, right? The famous phrase inside our, our tradition. What have you felt in that moment? You felt the presence of God in your life, the true deep love that he has for each and every one of us. 
See, when we surrender ourselves and we, we do what he calls us to do, when we fulfill that purpose, we, we, feel, we feel fulfilled. We're full of his love because he has come and he's with us. He's revealed himself to us. We're no longer in question because of the love that we have for God. He has revealed himself fully to us. And Jesus says the only way to do that is through me. Now Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but another Judas, there's some question about which one that falls into, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? So what Judas's question is the same thing that Philip was questioning last week or two weeks ago when I was preaching and, and several times throughout John we have this conversation where Peter and Thomas and uh, Philip and now Judas are questioning like what does it mean that you're going to reveal yourself to us? Are you, we're going to finally see the Messiah, the conquering king? And how's the rest of the world not going to see that? How are we only going to be that? Because they're expecting a conquering king to come in and cast out Rome and raise up Israel again. See, there's still in that mental side of the human aspect of wanting to be in power again, to, to kind of have the control and, and be of the favorites again. But Jesus has told them time and time again, and now he's reminding them that it's not the world he's coming for, but those who seek him out. It says, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So in other words, if anyone loves me, they'll keep my commandments. He'll do as I've commanded. He'll love God with his entire being, his heart, mind, body, and soul, and he'll love his neighbor as self, right? Those are the two grand commandments that have been given at this point. And so what we see is Jesus flipping the switch, like, I'm not here to be a conquering king, Judas. I'm here to bring righteousness back to the world. I'm here to bring God's will back to the world. I'm here to bring us back together and to combine us through me. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. I want you to stop and think about that for a second. We're really quick to sit there and say, well, through belief, we have the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the, the one to come beside us. The Greek word paraclete, to come beside, to, to help navigate difficult times. But here Jesus is giving us so much more than just his Holy Spirit. He's saying, if you love me, my Father will love you and I and him will come and dwell with you. We talked two weeks ago about how Jesus going to the cross was going to break the veil. He was revealing himself, the, the Godhead. And this is exactly what we mean is God is no longer veiled to our eyes. We can see the fullness and he is in our presence. We no longer have to be veiled or have a veil between us and where he dwells. In this, we don't just receive the Holy Spirit, but we receive Jesus and the Father all at once. The fullness of God is presented and love is the key to it. When we love God, when we surrender ourselves to God, that is when we receive the fullness of the of the Trinity, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is when he dwells amongst us and within us. When the paraclete or the Holy Spirit, the one who comes beside us, is, is the power of God inside of us helping us accomplish God's will. But he is with us in that process. Fully and completely in all three. It's an impossible thing to wrap our heads around. 
to understand that in our love of God, he loves us so much that he comes and he dwells fully and completely, not just partiality, but fullness. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together at once in our presence. It's such a powerful, powerful statement that they will make their home with him who loves Christ. And he gives a warning. He says, the one who does not love me will not keep my word. So in other words, that's how I know whether you love me or not. You don't follow my command. You do what your will is. You don't follow God's will inside of all of the choices that you have. And the world, or in the word that you hear is not mine, but from the Father who sent me. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is that hierarchy, right? The sense that I come out of the Father's love, the Holy Spirit will come out of my love, and we will all come to you in your love for us. See, God just wants to have a personal relationship. He just wants you to love him. He wants you to, to come before him and show your love through respect, through a submission to, to be in his presence and to hear his will. And when we do that, then we can clearly and fully see him. But if we don't do that, he's not revealing himself to those people. If we don't love God, if we don't love Jesus, we can't expect to see the fullness of God. We can't expect to understand the truth and the will clearly and fully and be able to follow it in good ways. See, love is the key to understanding God because when we start to understand God through our love for him, we can understand the fullness of his love and the fullness of his will in this world. And we have to come to a place where we understand that when we choose not to love, that we will not see that and remind ourselves of this and make sure that we're coming to God in love day in and day out. Because the day that we remove our love from God, the day we stop seeking his love and understanding him in fullness of that, is the day that we start having a clouded view. And so we have to take a moment and ask ourselves, how much do we love God? How much do we know God through our love? And how much has he revealed through that love back to us that we may have strength inside of it? So if love, if loving God allows us to see God, and we know that love is the key to opening up the fullness of understanding his love back towards us, then in that process of love, we come to a fullness of an, or an understanding of the fullness of God upon us, this concept of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all dwelling amongst us. And Jesus reminds us, he says, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. So in other words, I'm giving you this information up front so that when, as these things trans, uh, transcend into reality, when they start becoming the truth in your world, i.e. kind of giving the idea of what's going to happen after the cross. Now there's definitely an end times picture here, more so than probably just the cross and him coming back from the dead and the cross, but a true dwelling place amongst us, a return of the kingdom in his presence, in our presence constantly and fully and completely that we would know. But he's telling us this 
so that we can have an idea of what is to come, so that we can have the hope that is given to us through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, so that we may have the hope and the joy that comes with knowing that we are a child of God through Jesus Christ, that we are in the dwelling of the God most powerful and high. But there's a secret to this. He says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, again, that hierarchy that's being set up, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So in other words, only through our love of God do we receive the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And only through the Holy Spirit being present with us can we truly understand the fullness that is to come because he, the Holy Spirit, will give us what's or give us the knowledge we need to know to understand. And it's not new. It's not a new revelation. That's why he says, and the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have told you. There's nothing new under sun. Solomon in Ecclesiastes talks about that on a regular basis, about how there's nothing new, that what we have is what has always been. And here Jesus is reiterating that the most, or, or, or to, to a, a higher standard. He's saying, listen, through the Holy Spirit, you will understand everything that has been spoken. Everything that has come will be made known to you. But that only comes here when you have this open. It doesn't become knowledge until your heart loves God enough to understand it fully and completely through the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. If we turn to 1 John chapter 2, we get a clearer understanding from the writer. Starting verse, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 3. This is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commands. So he's reiterating what Jesus has said. He who keeps his commands loves me, right? The one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, flat out says it, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. See, John writes the letter, the gospel, and then writes the one, two, uh, letters one, two, and three. And in chapter two, he makes it strong enough, or makes a strong enough comment to understand that it is our love that opens up our ability to see God. And when we can see God clearly, we should walk in his way because if we love him, we will follow him. And in that moment when we love God enough that we start following him, God shares his love with us through his will and through, through our obedience in it. So if you look at our, our closing statement, kind of sums it all up. He says, or I say, when we love God, he reveals his complete self to us through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is then that we know the full love of God. Because if we don't know the fullness of God, how can we know his full love towards us? Now you ask me, why is the orange so important? Well, because the orange is tangible. And many of us feel God's love is not tangible. But the fact is, is the orange only becomes tangible when we go out and we seek it. When we go out and we find it on the tree or at the store or wherever it is, when we go out and we become active 
and seeking it out and we become active in picking it out and holding on to it. When we go and we discover it and we bring it into our life, then it becomes tangible. Then we can feel it. Well, God's love is the same way. If you don't seek out God's love, if you don't seek out to understand who God is, how would you ever know whether his love is present in your life or not? If you don't take the time to seek it out and discover what it means to be under God's love, how would you ever recognize it when you are in his love? See, Jesus is telling us that in order to understand God and him to be revealed, we have to submit ourselves to him. We have to open ourselves up and be in his presence fully and completely so that we can understand and touch and be touched by his love. And the beauty of it is, is once we start understanding and we understand that there's something greater inside of it than anything we could ever imagine from just looking outside of it. Has anyone ever taken the opportunity to actually eat an orange with its peel still on? I see a few people doing the with the ugly face. So obviously you've tasted the peel before in your life at some point. See, but that's just it. If we don't go and we don't hold God's love and we don't love God fully enough to actually take the time to unpeel what's deep inside of it, how will we ever get to the sweetness of what God's love truly is in our lives? So my encouragement is to love God fully and completely, to become unabandoned and love him recklessly, to place him first in your life so that you may feel his full love upon you, that you may know him completely and dwell amongst the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit completely, to have him in your life in such a way that he is present because when we love in that nature and he loves us back, we no longer can ever feel lonely because we have the fullness of God with us in our presence day in and day out. And that sense of loneliness can just disappear because we know that we never stand alone but are in the dwelling place of the Most High, the God of creation, the God of salvation, and the God of love. Amen.